When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop, a podcast about internet culture brought to you by Rolling Stone. Where two smart people talk about the dumbest shit that happened online this week. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm EJ Dixon. This is going to be our last episode for a while because I am having the reincarnation of Queen Elizabeth II. You're having Ken. <laughs> to Malibu Barbie. Malibu Barbie. Yeah, I'm having yeah. Ken. <laughs> the nursery isn't as nice. Also, unlike Trisha Paytas, I will not be filming baby ASMR in the hospital. But you should. I don't want to. <laughs> it sounds hard. It sounds hard and boring. <laughs> I want at least one voice memo from you from the, the hospital room that's like you like tappy on your baby's head. <laughs> now I have to do it. We can put it on Twitter. No, I just plan on doing shots. I've already asked my husband to bring me some old overholt. What's that? It's whiskey. It's bad whiskey. Oh. But I haven't had whiskey in like nine, ten months. So that name sounds like a hangover. <laughs> you should ask our drink fluencer, the lady who we had we had oh, yeah. who talked about the seltzers. Yeah, we should ask her a review of it. She would know. We will be back after the new year with yeah. more content. In the meantime, I will be hosting a new season of our musicians on musicians podcast that's coming out later this fall so if you miss my voice you can hear more of it there i'll be tuning in during the late nights nursing because <laughs> i'll miss you <laughs> i won't be screaming about julia fox or leonardo dicaprio on there unfortunately but maybe i don't know actually i'm not gonna say never say never did you know ugly people aren't allowed to talk about hot people personal rule you always knew that <laughs> you inherently knew that rule it's part of my ethos it's an ethos shared by Teresa Marie, who is a writer who went viral with this amazing tweet about Blonde, the new Netflix movie about Marilyn Monroe this week. Blonde is based on a book by Joyce Carol Oates. It's a very controversial book for reasons that we'll explain. This is what she wrote. Joyce Carol Oates shouldn't have written Blonde. What could a literary non-hottie know about the exploitation of femme, highly sexualized women, women who look and act like Oates have no compassion or love for women like Marilyn? There's a good tweet that shared that that was like, I just looked up if Jane Krakowski was on Cameo yeah. so I can pay her to read that in Jenna Maroney voice, which I would also love. It's very much something Jenna Maroney, like listen up fives, a 10 is speaking. That's very much the kind of energy <laughs> that it has. I mean, luckily it doesn't apply to us because we're hot people who almost exclusively talk about hot people on this podcast. Like we're the opposite yeah, of, kind of the basis of the non- podcast. we're the opposite of literary non-hotties because we're basically illiterate women who also know how to dress well we could write blonde but joyce carol oates could not host don't let this flop (laughs) (laughs) jayco would do a terrible job hosting don't let this flop (laughs) she'd get the himbos on she wouldn't know what to ask the hard-hitting questions to ask the himbos absolutely not absolutely not it just wouldn't happen people were very angry about this tweet 
for obvious, I mean, namely that it's like an insane tweet. But this kind of feeds into a larger discussion over Blonde, which came out last week and has been highly controversial from the get go. I haven't seen it, but Brittany, I know you saw it yesterday. I watched a large part of it. I did not, I could not finish it. I had to give up as soon as the talking fetus shows up. I don't know if you've heard about the talking fetus. EJ? I have. Can you provide the context of The Talking Fetus? Blonde is a highly fictionalized version of Marilyn's life. Like, it's based on the blueprint of Marilyn's story, but it's it adds a lot, which we'll talk about why that doesn't work for this. But, like, so it adds a lot, and there's a big sort of, basically the thesis of Blonde, I haven't read the book, but the thesis of Blonde, as told through the director's eyes, is that Marilyn's essential problem was that she did not conceive a child. Like, that is, like, sort of the general thesis of the film. So there's a lot of recurring moments of, like, a baby in the womb, like, a very sort of, like, pro-life type of, like, fetus, like, animated fetus kind of shows up. Like, where you're, like, looking at this, like, just weird sort of, like, embryo that's talking within the womb. And it first comes up when she has an abortion, which I don't think this is real. She was, like, they fictionalized a thruple she was in with Charlie Chaplin's twink son and some other guy. And, like... Then she gets pregnant by one of them in the film and has an abortion because she's about to star in, I think, The Seven Year Itch, which I don't think any part of that is true. I think she just dated Charlie Chaplin's son. She was not in a throuple and she was not. I don't think she had an abortion from him. And then the baby comes back when she gets pregnant with Arthur Miller's kid and she has a miscarriage. And then the baby, but like before the miscarriage, the baby's like, don't kill me like you did last time. <laughs> no. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. The baby says, don't kill me like you did last time. Yeah. And like horrible baby voice. And it's like, you did that on purpose last time. Like, it's like really fucked up. And the movie itself is generally fucked up. But that is beyond. And I had yeah. to give up. I have like an hour left. I left before the fake JFK rape. Like, I was like, I can't. I can't do this. Yeah. I mean, I watched like 10 minutes of it. And it starts with like a flashback of the mom. Like I also read the book and I remember it. The one thing that I do remember about it this is a long time ago. But the one thing that I remember, it was like very obsessed with Marilyn and her like reproductive system. Like it, it focused a lot on her endometriosis, which I found like very weird for a novelist to like obsess over like a, a movie star's endometriosis. But there's a scene where like the mom is driving into like a California wildfire, like to terrify Marilyn. And then she just sort of has like a psychic breakdown and just like completely traumatizes her kid. And I was just like, this is torture porn. Like I have no interest in watching this. Yeah, it's really rough to watch. It's also just like, it's just insane, generally. And also, Marilyn is just, like, I don't know. The way they characterize her is just so one note, and it's really bad. It's just kind of an upsetting film. Yeah, and it touches on, like, something that we were discussing last week with the Dahmer movie, which is we seem to be returning to all of these, like, cultural, historical figures over and over and over again. And, like, aren't there other stories to be told? Like, should we just abandon our obsession with these people and, like, let sleeping dogs lie and personally like i don't know how you feel but i think that argument makes a lot of sense for marilyn in particular oh, because yeah. like there's basically no other cultural figure who's been obsessed over to that degree obsessed over and like so horrendously misunderstood in life and death like it just feels like the obsessions with her aren't even a real version of her like the way that she's depicted in so many things kind of loses a lot of what made her so special as performer and made people so like entranced by her as a public figure. And it's so bad, bad, like it's not even fun, bad. It's just like hard to watch. And 
It's like you don't have any sort of like it wants you to look at Marilyn as like just this like gullible victim who stumbled into like showing her boobs everywhere and like was like hot and everything. It's like, oh no, she was more complicated than this. And it's weird that they can't think of her as much more than that as a person who like had like was flooded with trauma. Were you a big Marilyn fan growing up? I mean, I liked old Hollywood stuff. Like I liked like like a big reason why I like do entertainment journalism. Like I like enjoyed like film and music history a lot. So I wouldn't say I was like a Marilyn obsessive. Like I didn't I didn't read like a lot of books about her, things like that. But I enjoyed learning about her. I loved watching her movies. Like she's truly like one of the best comedic performers of all time. So yeah, I like enjoyed her as a performer. And I think like her story is so it's horrendously sad in a lot of ways, but she was much more complicated than the kind of trauma that she only gets associated with. You know who doesn't care about her talents as a performer or her artistic output? Blonde director Andrew Dominic. Absolutely does not. He said that. He told Sight and Sound. (laughs) He said, like, he doesn't care about her films at all. And he doesn't think most of her fans do either. And it's like, it's very clear from comments like that, that he was not approaching blonde and good. Like, I would be very surprised if the movie focuses on her abilities as a performer at all. The thing with, like, this is also, this goes beyond sort of tragic figures, but like also like goes to biopics generally, which is just that they like the worst of them are just like, this is an actor who we can make look as close as possible to the actual performer who's going to do a carbon copy of what they did. So it's like, I keep seeing like a lot of viral tweets and TikToks that are like, here's like, and Armas doing the like, Diamonds are a girl's best friend and like a side by side with Marilyn. And she's just mimicking the moves. Like she's not like the eyes are dead. Like there's nothing going on. Like it's like literally just like she's doing the hand motion. She's doing the little lip movements. She has the hair. She's wearing the dress. But it's like you completely lose all of the stuff that made Marilyn such like a great performer with it. And that's so much of what makes biopics so hard to watch is that they like completely lose that charm of it and only focus on like, here's how we can make it look aesthetically similar to what this person did. I think it's kind of a fine line because I would argue that Austin Butler essentially did the same thing with Elvis. Elvis I liked a lot, but I also like hated a lot of it, but it was really fun to watch. And like, I think with that, it was the fantasy elements of it were so fun and like frilly and everything. But like, I think Austin brought a lot to that character, but it was also very carbon copy ish. Yes. And it was also, I think it was coming from a place of fundamental respect for its subject, which it does not sound like Blonde was. Walking Phoenix doing like Johnny Cash. Like, I think that's like a great example of someone who did like a lot of carbon copy, but like really did like a stellar performance of like getting to the heart of who this character was beyond like, I mean, I, what we knew. And Reese Witherspoon as June Carter Cash also. Like, those are really good performances of like, they are mimicking a lot and they are trying to like look as much like the character and like in a lot of ways, but also kind of getting to like what makes them tick. This film does not get to that. I think the thing that makes me saddest about it is that if you read about Marilyn, like from people who knew her well, from biographies, not like Joyce Carol Oates's book, but if you read about Marilyn from the people who knew her well in like legitimate biographies, kind of the defining trajectory of her life, as far as I can tell, was that she was not taken seriously as an artist or honestly as a romantic partner because of her sexuality. And that was something that was a great source of pain. I mean, there was also like so many letters and things like that where she just kind of had such a, she didn't really feel very strongly about her own sexuality and about sort of like the performance of sexuality. Like she knew that embodying the character of it was so different. And like, I think a lot of films kind of lose that part of it too. Like that's a complicated and interesting thing for a 
like sex symbol to kind of have that relationship with it. And like, none of that has that. Instead, it's just like her sort of like, I don't know, this character is like being like raped constantly in every scene. And like, it's just really... It's awful to watch. There is a predominant view that I've been seeing on TikTok in the past few weeks, especially that Marilyn Monroe is asexual. And I haven't really seen a lot of evidence like supporting that. Yeah, I don't think it's that. But I think like she had a complicated sort of relationship with like sex generally. Considering that time frame too, like I think a lot of... If somebody is using you for sex at a very young age, especially in an era where women were only defined by their sexuality or lack thereof, then it's not surprising that you would have a complicated relationship with your own sexuality. But I feel like what Blonde is doing, the book definitely did this and it sounds like the movie is doing this, is just like continuing this tradition of just reducing this woman to her body and to her sexuality by doing shit like shooting her rape, which is apparently totally fictional, or like her abortion from the perspective of her fetus, like just perpetuating that historical cycle of just reducing this woman to her body and nothing else. It's both uninteresting and a sad reflection of how little we've progressed like as a culture. Also, like I cannot think of a worse time for this movie to come out because people are taking so much of it as fact. Like, I don't think anyone like it's like interesting to look at. I've never read Blonde again. Like I know a large portion of it is extremely fictional, of course. Like this is like this like fanfic about this very famous person. And like it was interesting because I was like looking up different stuff and I was like, I was like, oh, like was Marilyn in a throuple? Like, let me just like look this up. That's kind of a wacky fact about her. And I was like, if that's true, we certainly don't talk about that enough. And then I looked it up and I was like, okay, this isn't true, but she did date Charlie Chaplin's son. And then it's like everyone just like took it as fact. Like if we if you like search on like TikTok or Twitter, like everyone has just taken every single aspect and they're like, like, I cannot believe JFK raped her. And also it's like, none of these things are like, JFK is a shitty man, but like that, that's what was not, that was fake. Like these things are like fake. And it's like, so it's like the least like media literate era. <laughs> I feel like to kind of like have this happen. Like, I feel like everyone sort of is like, well, this is all true. This is like the truest biopic of her. And it's so wild to me. But you know what it's good for? It's good for the content farms to make like SEO driven explainers. Oh, heavy.com got a lot of my page views yesterday. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Maybe Andrew Dominic and heavy.com are in cahoots. Maybe. But I mean, I did the same thing after the Elvis movie where I was like, was all of this true or no? But yeah, I mean, it's different. Like Blonde is a literal like novel and the Elvis movie is like, there's more truth in the Elvis movie than not. Like a there's a lot of big things that like I didn't realize I thought were dr dramatized in there that actually ended up being true when I looked it up later. But like, there's also still like, it's still a movie, but it's a, di a different context. And it can ugly people make movies and write books about hot people. Sure. I think, yes, that's the side I'm going to come down. But should people with ugly souls, right, make movies about hot people like Andrew Dominic? Probably not. Should we talk about some other ugly souls that I've had to learn about? Yeah, let's talk about some more ugly souls. Eight people. Welcome to Straight People, a segment where we apparently now only discuss men who are terrible husbands, but we can't help it because there are so many, so many of them just come to light. This, I mean, there are seven planets in retrograde, as I told EJ earlier this week. <laughs> and so a lot of truths coming out, a lot of men who suck. So today we cannot avoid discussing the big Try Guys news. Now, I personally had no idea what a Try Guy was, partially because I really prided myself on not having a personality that revolved around BuzzFeed video properties in 2015. Not to brag too much, but I thought the Try Guys were just some millennial TikTok hype house that would show up on my For You page during all the big dumb trends. I really had no 
context for these men. I so, have no idea it, either. It's a point of pride really, for both of us. Yeah, I really genuinely, I was like, oh, these are just some like older millennials who post videos sometimes and go viral. And I was like, good for them. It was a definition of the Kiki Palmer. I don't know this man. It's truly can't tell you who neither. Yeah, I didn't know any of their names until this week. So if like us, you don't know what a Try Guy is, the quartet launched in 2014 during a wave of BuzzFeed video initiatives. And a lot of these video personalities have gone on to do like a lot of big things. They went super viral. Of course, Quinta Brunson is a very good example of that. She was part of this kind of community of content creators and has now won like mini Emmys. So like there's a lot of these people went on to do really big things once they left BuzzFeed. So their entire shtick was that they would try literally anything. They would try anything that, especially as they grew an audience, the audience would suggest that they try. And they've established themselves well outside of BuzzFeed ever since. Their YouTube channel has nearly 8 million subscribers and videos like the Try Guys Get Their Bones Cracked and member Eugene Lee Yang's coming out video have over 20 million views on the channel. So they have a really, really big following. And Eugene's video is a really good example of how YouTubers like the Try Guys make inviting their audience into their lives a big part of their appeal. So there's a lot, like people knew a lot about the Try Guys lives. They knew about their families. They knew about the people in their lives. They enjoyed them as a friendship, as like a group. This kind of thing helps make YouTubers, vloggers, content creators feel like your friends, people that you know more, know more than just like through your screen. So over the near decade of their tenure, they've introduced the audience to their families and different milestones in their lives, with their wives even being known as the Tri-Wives, which is just like, I can't imagine something I'd want to be known less as, who appeared in the videos with them. So I'm not going to teach you the names of all the Tri-Guys. It doesn't matter. You don't need to know them. Only one matters for today. And that is Ned Fulmer, which is Simpsons ass name, Simpsons ass dork name, nerd shit. And I hate that we have to talk about it. So again, I have never watched these videos. Here's what I've gleaned from being online this week about who Ned Fulmer is. Ned Fulmer just looks like some guy and he seemingly had no personality other than being a wife guy. So this is always a bad sign. That's always red flag number one. Ned made his wife, Ariel Fulmer, a big part of the Try Guys universe. She even designed their office space, all this other stuff. Like she's in videos. She's a big part of this. She is the Try Wife. And they co-wrote even a date night cookbook together and even did things like host panels at colleges on the ethics of healthy relationships, which is just uh, laughable. Laughable. So everything seemed great in the Fulmer relationship until their diehard fandom noticed that Ned had filmed but then seemed to be edited out of recent episodes that had been published on the Try Guys channel. Then the photos leaked. So on September 1st, this is my favorite detail. This is this is the Britney angle. On September 1st, <laughs> Ned attended a Harry Styles concert <laughs> with Alexandria Herring, who herself is engaged. So who is Alexandria? They are co-workers. Alexandria is an associate producer on Try Guys. She has the channel Food Babies, which is under the Try Guys production company. They are co-workers. They are in videos together. Technically, she's his inferior, which is right. important. She is his inferior. Like, they've worked together for many years. The Try Guys universe knows Alexandria very well. And Alexandria hosts the channel Food Babies, and that has a big following as well. But after the concert, however, some people who recognize them caught the pair allegedly smooching at Niagara. There's It's very grainy photos. I mean, the level of detective work I was seeing in the, like, photos and on TikTok, on Twitter and everything of, like, people trying to piece together the T-shirts and piece together, like, her purse and his hair 
and all this other stuff. And also Niagara is one of the most cursed clubs in the East Village. No one, no one goes out there just to grab a drink. Like Jimmy Fallon very famously got into a fight there. So that's what that's what I thought you were referring to by the Britney angle. Not just the Harry Styles, but the fact that there's it took two Britney angles <laughs> to the story. Okay. There's a Harry Styles concert and a visit to, to Niagara. It's giving me in 2014. Like, I mean, while everyone else is watching the Try Guys in 2014, I was going to One Direction concerts and hanging out in Niagara. So <laughs> Ned's reputation and the wife guy bubble seemed to implode in mere hours when this all broke. Both him and the official Try Guys account put out statements acknowledging that he is no longer part of the crew. And the subreddit for the channel went bonkers, writing things like Think of the Children. One of my friends who also had never heard of the Try Guys before was like in the subreddit for hours, just trying to like understand what was going on. And it was just like really fascinating how people were responding to it. And then there was like more stories and rumors that spread, ranging from old stories of him being drunk and hitting on fans at parties, as well as stories of him and Alexandria allegedly having dated for nearly a year at this point. None of this is confirmed. None of this, there's no sort of like proof to any of this, but that's been sort of like a lot of like, people have been spreading a lot of sort of their own perspectives and rumors and blind items and stuff. The fact that this got wrapped up in the whole wife guy discourse. I mean, like as a married person, I have always sort of maintained that the healthiest relationship is one where your partner has just a little bit of contempt for you, like public contempt. Like your partner should like hate you a little bit. (laughs) I think that's really important that you and your partner like kind of hate each other. I don't want to like present myself as like the paragon of having a healthy marriage. And then three months later, like my husband is seen smooching at Niagara, one of his (laughs) direct reports. (laughs) I have always maintained that a little bit of contempt is healthy in a relationship. And I feel like the dissolution of the wife guy persona is proof of that because the wife guy is very like all he does is very Borat. My wife. In fact, I saw a meme is probably the best meme that I saw that said Borat is the next wife guy who's going down. And that was very much like my understanding is that was very much Ned's persona. And I just feel like if you perform that you like your wife, that your partner that much, like that in itself is just like a major red flag. Yeah, I think the wife guy inherently is a red flag, right? Like like a very sort of like internet-y sort of thing where it's like you sort of have this, I don't know, online presence that revolves around being married and being like in love with your wife and sort of like, it's very boring. And it also, again, always, always seems to cover up some weird shit. And I also think the attachment to the wife guy is almost as bad. Like, I mean, it's just like really the way that people, especially with fandoms of people who are like non, like a lister type of stuff. Like it's like for people like these, who again is just Ned Fulmer is just some guy. The amount of attachment that people had to him as a husband to Ariel and to their relationship is so weird to me. Like that is the thing that I was like so fascinated by. Like it was like watch people, it was like watching their own parents get divorced. Like it was watching like thousands of people experience that at once. And it was very alarming. And it was similar to, I mean, a big part of the discourse was that like everyone was connecting into Adam Levine, which I'm like, I would never put Adam Levine in any wife guy grouping at all. I have two eyes. He hates eyes. his wife. He has more than a little bit of contempt for his wife. He hates his wife. I have two eyes and I've listened to every Maroon 5 album. That's not a wife guy. Not a wife guy. And John Mulaney like was trending inexplicably on this day, even though he's just, he's chilling with his baby now. And I frankly think Anna Marie Tendler has to cool it on the extremely divorced energy. We've talked about this before, but that's just, that's just my opinion. But he's a definitely a better example of a wife guy. 
that parallel made more sense to me. Yeah. And I think like it was fascinating though because I saw a couple of tweets about this and about like John Mulaney specifically too, where it was like, it hurt so much because all he did was talk about how much he loved his wife in the, in his standup specials. And like, if he was a true wife guy, he would have said things about like her, like career and her art that she was making. And it's like, okay, first off, you only became attached to this because comedians just learned 10 years ago that talking about how much they hate their wives comes off kind of weird and violent and like <laughs> I sort of just learned to be like maybe I won't make jokes about killing my wife because she nags me all day like it's like uh, calm down like this isn't transgressive that he said some like nice things in the stand-up but like also I don't know like it's a stand-up special like who cares I don't want to hear details of your wife's art in a stand-up special like it doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make you any less annoying like <laughs> Especially now we know what her art is. Like, I don't need to hear about your wife's glass blowing hobby. Yeah, I want to hear like a weird story of you guys at the airport. Like, sure, like whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's just like super weird. The attachment to it, I think, is like the thing that alarms me very much. Because like even in sort of being like the wife guy is over, people were like, except for this wife guy that I'm attached to because he seems to appreciate his wife for more than just being his wife. And it's like, you're doing these that we don't know that man could suck too. He could be like a horribly mean person to his wife. He could be the cruelest person in the world. And you're only gleaning what you know about him from a podcast or a YouTube video. That's but all that's you got. the thing, right? I mean, that's this is all by design. Like, I mean, John Mulaney is a comedian, so it's less overt. But like all of these YouTubers and influencers and people like Ned Fulmer, I mean, so much of their success is predicated on their ability to form these parasocial relationships with people and to reveal things about their personal lives to make them more relatable. And that increases engagement. And it also, I mean, from a totally cynical perspective, it gives them more sources for content, right? Like once you have your wife and your kids involved with your brands, then your brand has 10 times the opportunities to like churn out content. So I think that it's sort of somewhat to be expected that people are going to have these expectations of their favorite influencers and content creators. And it's also to be, and you would think that that would also like inherent to that would be that we shouldn't be surprised when they like let us down. But like, obviously they're going to let us down because people aren't perfect. And like this ecosystem that we've built with influencers is like not healthy. Like why the fuck do we care that not even that he's cheating? Why did, why did we care about this guy's relationship in the first place that we were paying him to host panels about ethical relationships with his wife? He's not Dr. Ruth. Like, what are you doing? That was like, that was the kind of, I mean, the depths of, of wife guyness with Ned Fulmer is like pretty shocking, like in terms of the way that he completely branded himself. And it was funny. I think this is what sort of like reeled me into the story a little bit more was just like the amount of weird evidence of like how I, I know just like how ironic and stupid this is kept blowing up after like he had like an interview where they were asking everyone it was like ask a single guy and ask a wife guy and it was like two of the try guys about like what you deal breakers and relationships and his was cheating and they have like the date night cookbook and they do all this stuff together and like it's very clear that he was overcompensating for the lack of personality and also like everything else with it just because every single thing that came out about him was like him doing almost too much to, to kind of prove his like loyalty as a husband, which is always shocking. Every single clip that I saw of him made me hate him unrelated to the cheating. Like I was just like, people were watching this for years. This man is annoying. He's so annoying. Never overestimate the power of BuzzFeed millennials. <laughs> and he pulled two hot girls. Yeah, I don't get it. See girls down. We gotta... <laughs> <laughs> change trajectory because it's not working. If you're going to fuck somebody who looks like Ned Fulmer, then have him like not be a try guy. Like try fucking somebody who doesn't suck. 
Yeah. If he looks like Ned Fulmer, he should just be silently making millions of dollars off YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) So since we actually recorded this episode, the remaining three Try Guys put out an official video statement about Ned's indiscretions and subsequent firing. From the jump, we were acutely aware of just how contrary this was to the values of the company we've built and those of everyone who works here. This is something we took very seriously. We refused to sweep things under the rug. That is not who we are and it's not what we stand for. Basically, they confirm a lot of the rumors about how it went down. The guys were sent the same photos that leaked last week on Labor Day weekend, soon after they actually happened, and spent weeks doing an internal review with HR and legal over Ned having relations with an employee. The affair was not new and had been going on for some time, but they waited to reveal his departure because it dealt with a family dynamic And it was also a big legal mess to remove Ned from the company. And it was also a lot of money to remove Ned from the videos that they had recorded prior to learning about this. The guys also look mad as hell and even start crying. It's a lot. And many people have been critiquing the video for its gravitas, though I kind of get why they're pissed and really emotional. This is someone they've worked with for nearly a decade. I can... I can understand why they would be really disappointed in how everything went down. So definitely watch it yourself, at least for the hot one, Eugene, looking incredibly pissed off and hot the entire time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The answers can be found in the MTV video games. Welcome to Moral Panic, the segment where we discuss the latest thing that people are eking out a thin stream of urine in their underpants over. This week, we are talking about Lizzo. We're talking about Lizzo. (laughs) The right had a meltdown over Lizzo this week because I don't think anybody could have predicted this. She played a flute formerly owned by James Madison. Do you know anything about James Madison, the former president? I certainly don't. (laughs) I can't tell you someone I know less about. I didn't know he was president, to be honest. Is there somebody you know less about than James Madison? I mean, probably. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I know his name. I know there are high schools named after him. I'm sure he signed the Declaration of Independence. Gives off that vibe. (laughs) (laughs) He does give off Declaration of Independence vibes. So all I know is that he was married to a hot bitch who made bad ice cream. Was anyone hot back then? Dolly Madison was hot. Look up pics. Google image search it. Look up pics. I don't think anyone in like 1700s America was hot. She was hot in like a I clearly have rheumatism kind of way. Just look up a bit. Just look it up. Don't take my word for it. We've just been informed by our producer that James Madison did not, in fact, sign the Declaration of Independence. But you did not confirm whether or not Dolly Madison was hot. I'm going to write blonde, but it's James Madison. It's my fictionalized version of James Madison's life. <laughs> and it's like a talking quill telling him to sign the Declaration of Independence. That's going to be mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's particularly hot, but amazing boobs. It, real, well, that's real something. Great, incredible jumbo yum yums on Dolly Madison. I will, I will give her that. 
Abigail Shapiro level? No. No woman in history comes close to Abigail Shapiro level tits. <laughs> Not even a first lady. No, she was like, I, no, because I remember I was obsessed with the first. I feel like she was like very, she was considered very stylish and she like threw a lot of parties. Whatever, who cares? It doesn't matter. We know nothing I mean, about James Madison. He didn't even Madison. sign the Declaration of Independence. This guy's boring. Yeah, he's boring. I think there was a fire in his house. Boo. Yes, because that relates to the story. Yeah, okay, so let me explain why people care about this president that nobody cares about and his hot wife I'm gonna look who wasn't Wikipedia that hot but had great yabos. Okay, yeah. I'd be interested in knowing more. He was the fourth more. president and he didn't even sign the Declaration of Independence? Weak. What was he doing? He was alive for it. He was talking to his talking quill. <laughs> Getting yelled at by his talking quill. <laughs> in your Andrew Dominic directed version of his life. Coming to a theater near you. Here's what happened. Lizzo, who Britney famously interviewed in a very beautiful cover story. Probably one of my favorite cover stories that we've ever published. Oh, thank you. And You're we actually welcome. did go to a music store to look at flutes. Did you really? It did make the story because not a lot happened. But like we did go look at flutes. Did she talk about her affinity for James Madison at all? If Lizzo knows more about James Madison than me, I would be shocked. <laughs> this is not hot people's business. I think you should follow up with her publicist and be like, hey, quick follow up question. I know we published the story in like 2018, 2019. But what do you think about Dolly Madison's boobs? This is a follow up. <laughs> Lizzo is a very accomplished concert flautist. That's I'm presumably why you guys went to a music store to look at flutes together, which sounds boring. <laughs> I mean, I was struck just in researching the story, just like by how many times I had to read and write the word flute. I just never I never want to read the word flute so many times again in my life. Like nothing makes me fall asleep faster than <laughs> seeing the word flute. The Library of Content Congress invited her to check out its collection of 1700 flutes again, which is the largest flute collection in the world. And they let her play the specific flute, which was a gift from a French flute maker in 1813 named Claude Laurent to celebrate Madison's second term. There was a fire in the White House and the flute was one of the few artifacts that was saved from the fire. I'm so bored. I was zoning out. I'm sorry. Okay, so that's the context. So Lizzo went on stage at her DC concert and she told the audience all of this. They probably all fell asleep, but she was super excited as any band nerd would be. So she plays a few notes. She shook her ass a little bit as she does. And then she gave it back to the Library of Congress handlers who were just like standing there on stage, making sure everything was okay. And the fans then went wild. Lizzo clearly thought it was cool. It kind of went viral. It was an awesome little moment. But if you'd been following the right wing media coverage of it, you would not have known this. Like you would have thought that Lizzo had dragged the flute on stage like pig pen with his tin cans and thrown the flute on the floor and proceeded to slowly and methodically wipe her ass with it before setting it on fire. People thought this was horribly disrespectful. This is what Jenna Ellis, Doug Mastriano's senior advisor, said about this. What happened, and if you haven't watched the video, um, do so at your own risk, because, you know, Lizzo is basically famous, I think, for being one of the most morbidly obese people in the world who claims that she's oppressed. And yet, you know, she's like a multimillionaire and, um, you know, very famous. But she gets on stage in this really hideous outfit that is wildly inappropriate. And apparently the, is it like the Smithsonian or the National Archives or something actually allowed her to be the first person in United States history to play the crystal flute 
from James Madison. I mean, this is just desecration purposefully of America's history. And this is what Matt Walsh tweeted. Matt Walsh being the famously pube-faced transphobe we've talked about before many times on here in this segment. He said Lizzo was, quote, simply desecrating American history for the sake of it. And he later followed up by tweeting in response to someone replying that Lizzo took an appropriate level of care with the instrument. Lizzo is a morbidly obese weirdo in a thong twerking around on stage while playing with a priceless piece of American history. That's the level of care we're talking about, which is so notice the both of these two hateful assholes discuss this. They open by talking about Lizzo's body, which should give you a sense where they're coming from here. We should be desecrating more things owned by slave owners. Like, as someone who just control f slaves in James Madison's Wikipedia page. <laughs> That's really smart of you. <laughs> I learned a lot, and I think we should be desecrating more of his stuff, to be honest. What did you learn? Okay, so according to Wikipedia, like Jefferson Washington, Madison was a wealthy slave owner, shocker, who never privately reconciled his Republican beliefs with his slave ownership. Forced to pay debts, he never freed his slaves. I think she should have broken the flute, to be honest. But as you said, Lizzo probably doesn't know, probably knows about as much about James Madison as you do. I highly doubt she even took the time to control F his Wikipedia. So I'm not surprised that she like wouldn't know all of that context. But now that we know that information, you would think that these people would... No, because they would love to own slaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they open by talking about how she's plus size, which like has nothing whatsoever to do with her ability or lack thereof to play the flute. But they both felt compelled to mention it. Clearly, they find that more offensive than the fact that the Library of Congress allowed her to play the flute in the first place. And the implication here also, as you suggested, is that it's because she's black. But like these guys are too good at dodging Twitter speech guidelines to say that explicitly. There's no other reason for this. Well, there's there's something important to point out with Lizzo in particular is that this is not just a right-wing obsession with her size. Like, it's very, very important to point this out because there are things that she's done that, like, skinny stars have done, other... It doesn't matter, like, who else has done it as long as they're not plus size and black, but, like, they get away with those things and, like, Lizzo does them and it's, like, a national news story for many days. Like, it's, like, this is, I mean, an extreme version of that, but it is very... Like, there, one big thing that happened when I was working on the Lizzo story was that she had attended, I think it was a Lakers game, and she was sitting in front row, whatever they do there, and she was sitting where the celebrity sit, and there's a lot of photos taken of her, and she was, like, wearing these, like, cut-off shorts... And a lot of celebrities show up at a basketball game in like very skimpy outfits. It created a news cycle for two weeks of people being like, that is so inappropriate. Children were there. How dare she like walk around with her ass hanging out at this thing? And it wasn't right wing people doing it. It was just like people like it was just a lot of people who were so upset and mortified that she would do this. And it has nothing to do with that. So it's like this weird sort of like obsession with her doing things as a plus size person, as a plus size black woman doing anything that is remotely not what we expect from a plus size black person, which is to be covered up to like not do a single thing that's like, like fun or cool or like sexy or anything. And like, it's like a weird obsession that of course the right wing conservative media is amplifying and making it clear their own racist intentions. Whereas I feel like for People who are less on the conservative side of the spectrum who have this obsession with her, it's more about like their own fat phobia and like the idea that her body is not a body that they want to see. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that there's sort of like a bipartisan element to this. I think with the left, the people on the left, it's more often framed as like 
they're smart enough to frame it as quote unquote smart enough to frame it as like, oh, this isn't healthy, like concern trolling about it, like saying this is not a good example to set for like young people to have this like prominent fat black woman walking around dressed like this. And but it's kind of I mean, it's saying the same thing, like it's saying this is unacceptable. It's just couching it. This is more clearly steeped in like deep rooted racism from a lot of these people on top of kind of run-of-the-mill fat phobia that exists for everyone no matter what party line they are but like yeah i think it's it's very this would have i mean i don't know i can't imagine that this would have been as big of a news story if like like dua lipa was handed the the flute and was no, asked of course to like it hold wouldn't. first off dua lipa cannot play the flute she can't do anything <laughs> but like if she were handed the flute and that like little like sheer bodysuit that she wears on stage people would be like okay whatever there's dua lipa with the flute no one would have cared and i think like if it was another like black art like if beyonce held the flute i think it would have been like a story because the right hates beyonce and because it's lizzo like it's people already have the way that they think about lizzo like every time she wears anything super revealing and creates like a million fat phobic things online again completely unrelated to party but like it just creates that and of course now the conservatives are eating that shit up to make it even more deeply racist and kind of like about protecting american history and it's like okay this is a slave owner's crystal flute who gives a fuck about it well i'm surprised lizzo even gave a fuck about it but like she plays a flute and it's a crystal flute if i played the flute i want to hold a crystal flute yeah i mean she plays the flute she's a nerd yeah she's a band kid she's a band kid like i completely understand why she cared and she was extremely respectful about it like if you watch the behind the scenes footage and if you sort of watch like her interactions with the handlers and how she sort of approaches the flute like she's extremely extremely respectful of the fact that this is like a piece of history and if it, I mean it's funny that we were talking about how bored we were at the beginning because like I I mean I honestly was kind of bored when she was talking about the history of the flute <laughs> like anybody if it was not Lizzo anybody else would have watched that clip and been like oh my god like what, whatever like this is boring this is kind of nice if you're a band geek but like objectively like if you're not like it's, it's a little boring but because it's Lizzo because of what she was wearing because of the fact that she shook her ass a little bit while she was playing it which is a hundred percent again if duo lipa had done the same dance move which again she can't do because she can't dance but if she could then it, nobody would have fucking giving a shit i don't know when did everyone start caring so much about like historical artifacts like this what is this national treasure calm down nicholas cage like why is everyone so obsessed with this like people did that with like the marilyn monroe dress like first off that was in a ripley's believe it or not like you did not know that dress existed with like kim kardashian like you didn't care before you didn't know this is this brought awareness that this dress was still here. This brought awareness that who to who James Madison is. I didn't know. And I've learned no a lot. I've learned a lot more than I would have liked to learn about him because of this damn flute. So everyone considers cares? themselves a historical archivist if it means that they can get angry about something. Yeah, the music could be sort of like tweeting loudly. That's how they learn about history. But I'm like, I don't know. I didn't even know we had that many flutes. 1700 flutes in the world. I mean, like in an archive of any kind. Like, why do we have 1,700 flutes in an archive? I don't know. I would argue too many flutes. What are you going to do with those flutes? What else are you going to do with those flutes except have Lizzo play them? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, like, this is the first and last time anyone's going to know about that archive. I wonder how the Library of Congress, I wonder how the nerds over there feel about this. They invited her. 
Like, I'm sure it was like a whole thing because again, like this is a big part of like the charm of Lizzo. Like the, like a lot of early viral videos were of her twerking and playing the flute. Like it was like very cool and like funny and like fun. And so I think that's like, of course they wanted her to do that. It's really good press for them to like have someone engage with this really nerdy shit that's at the Library of Congress. Do you think that they like would have seen how this would have gone down? I think everyone underestimates how much people have like this like vile hatred of fat people doing stuff, especially fat black people doing stuff. I think they thought it would be like a fun thing because she plays the flute and people know that she's on tour. Like, of course they'd want to invite her. I don't think they had any idea that this would be like this. And I'm like, frankly, exhausted on behalf of Lizzo because I'm sure she expects it now from everything, but is also very tired of it. Yeah, I mean, we're currently on the fourth day of the rage cycle and no one is really shutting up about it. Anyway, flutes are boring, but whatever. (laughs) Let's get to Happier Pastures and do Himbo of the Week. Welcome to Himbo of the Week, where we celebrate our finest head empty hotties. I have a quick one today because EJ wants to celebrate some of our ghosts of Himbo past for our final episode before our hiatus. So my entire For You page has been taken over by duets with one user, a guy named Patrick Martinez. Patrick seems to work at a restaurant and post videos of himself doing food prep in the kitchen. It's just kind of like videos of him, like cutting up a giant block of cheese or like chopping up onions and everything. But like the best part of the videos is that after he does all that, he like looks up at the camera and he gives a little air smooch and it's really cute. And it makes me blush every time. I'm obsessed with the duets. It's just people filming themselves reacting to Patrick's flirtatious little smooch. They blush and they giggle and they kick their feet in the air like a kid in a movie developing their first crush. Are you gonna make a blooming onion? Cause those are really good. <laughs> Stop it. It's the most wholesome, horny content I can imagine. So thank you, Patrick. It's a lot of straight dudes too who are into this, which is I mean, so no cute. one. Yeah, who's gonna resist the charm of a guy just like kind of looking up and giving you a little wink and a smooch? <laughs> I love cute. straight men discovering their sexuality on TikTok. It's like yeah. one of my favorite things about TikTok. <laughs> so to wrap up this episode, I thought it might be fun to go through seasons of Himbo's past and have you guess which Himbo's were referring. Did you cheat? I told you not to look at the bottom of the dock. I literally just scrolled all the way up. So I did not even scroll down to look. Oh, thank God. And you're an honest person. <laughs> Unlike Ned Fulmer. Unlike Ned Fulmer. And Joyce you- Carol Oates. I I am both hot and honest. (laughs) I feel like some of these will be easy for you and some of them will not be as easy, but I don't know. Let's let's give it a shot. The first one will be easy. Okay, guess the himbo. He crushes watermelons with his bare thighs. I don't remember his name. This is the problem. (laughs) I don't remember names, but I remember his face and I remember the action of him crushing the watermelon with his thighs. You can identify... We've featured him before for another reason. You can identify him for his other claim to fame, if you'd like. His other We've actually featured him three times, I think. Thorin? Yes, Thorin Bradley. Correct. Oh, I forgot we did him for the watermelon crushing. We did him for the watermelon crushing, and we did him for coming out against Roe v. Wade being overturned. Well, I famously was getting men crushing watermelons with their thighs on my For You page for approximately a month. So in my head, I was like, I don't remember which one that was, but there was a lot of Could have been anyone. And I saved (laughs) every single one. (laughs) It's the Ur Watermelon Crusher. It's Thorin Bradley. Also terrible at Twitter, but supports reproductive rights, which we support. Okay, guess the himbo. Timothy Chalamet would famously play him in a movie. Was this the one we talked about last week? Honestly, I have a horrible memory, EJ. 
You said you would marry him. We played fuck, Mary kill. And you said you would marry him. Oh yeah. Lavusi. I can't even remember what I did two days ago. Well, you committed to him. So <laughs> this game is shockingly hard, mostly because I block out everything as soon as the day is over. That's fine. That's a healthy way to live. I eternal sunshine myself every <laughs> night. <laughs> That's really smart. You should remember Labusi though, because you committed yourself to him and now he's recalibrating his personality to be a wife guy to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's Brittany Labusi now. <laughs> All right. Guess the himbo. He's a secret roadman. Oh, Francis, our boy. You remember Fred? You didn't eternal sunshine Francis. I sure didn't. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite himbo of all i haven't checked in on him in a while i haven't watched his channel in a minute yeah i don't know what he's doing he wouldn't he won't talk to us well i mean it's not like he's refusing to talk he just didn't respond I, that, it's a refusal i took it personally all right guess the himbo i embarrassed myself in front of him oh that guy the really really hot one <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> the one we interviewed <laughs> i will accept that as the correct answer <laughs> oh what's his name Samson. His name is Samson. Samson. I knew it was like some biblical shit. Yeah. And the reason why I embarrassed myself in front of him is because I asked him how to pronounce his name and he told me how to pronounce his name. And then I mispronounced it immediately because I was so nervous because he was too hot. He was really hot. He he should have written blonde on it. He could understand Marilyn Monroe and her pain. Not Joyce Carol Oates. He could have written, directed, and starred. And he should write, direct, and star your James Madison biopic. I'll play <laughs> Featuring Dolly. the talking quill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, two more himbos. Guess the himbo. Her love of the rain is racist. <laughs> Whenever you can go out into the rain, do not miss the opportunity. <laughs> True. Yes, correct. <laughs> All right, final one. Guess the himbo. He is an advocate for face sitting. Name something you like your girlfriend to do to your face. I want to say sit on it. Yes! <laughs> sit on it! Everybody feels better now. The nation's leading advocate for face sitting. I'll give you some more hints. He's going viral this week, actually, because Johnny Knoxville was on his show and dressed like him. And he had a really charming reaction to it. I don't know. He goes viral like every other week, basically, for different reasons. But this is yeah. why he went viral this week. Wait, okay. Give me another hint. Give me another hint. Here's your final hint. <laughs> There's so many hints I could give. There's literally, I have a wealth of biographical details swimming in my head about this man. I'm at a loss, EJ. I can't believe this himbo is so hard. Wow. Okay. He is extremely fond of sexual innuendos. Like to the point know. that it's his brand. I don't wow. know. <laughs> I don't know. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. The ultimate himbo of the week. Miss the giant Knoxville dress. If I had seen that, I would have known. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised you didn't see it. Well, I don't know. It's. It, I guess I'm just too online. <laughs> but And also, I'm obsessed with Johnny Knoxville. Like, I've been obsessed with Johnny Knoxville. Have you been watching Reboot? It's amazing. I watched the first couple episodes. It was very funny. I love Judy Greer getting roles. Me too. I support her career. I support everything about that show. It's a perfect show. But I did horribly. I thought you did an okay job. This is a testament to my memory i would give you a b minus thank you i appreciate that it's to be expected for some but if you truly eternal sunshine yourself every night i think that a, a b minus is actually pretty good i'm traveling this week i'm on the west coast my memory is different here <laughs> i understand <laughs> things that happened on the east coast were not retained the way that they are here well you did some really excellent research and fact checking about james madison thank you <laughs> i commend you for that i'm happy to control <laughs> f slaves in any wikipedia page at any point <laughs> 
<laughs> is often the first thing I do. <laughs> Unless they're hot, then I control F wife. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my research policy. That's how the sausage gets made. He's a journalist. <laughs> Hold on. You were scrolling for way too long now. Maybe you should get some food, get some water, and then come back later. Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop. Please share this podcast with someone you love or someone you hate. Either way, we don't care which one. This podcast is brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network, written and hosted by me, Brittany Spanos, and EJ Dixon. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Chelsea, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul, and produced by Jesse Cannon with music by Brian DeMeglio. 